Bullshit. Hard to believe it's been five years. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. Five years ago today, August 6th, 2015, I started the No BS Marketing Show as a podcast. And as we celebrate today, I'm going to walk back about why I started the podcast, why I still do the podcast, what I've learned about the podcast and from the podcast, and what's next for the NoBS Marketing Platform. First, why did I start the podcast? I'm a radio person that when I was 16 years old, I got my first radio job, and I ended up working for probably about a half dozen radio stations from age 16 to my mid-20s, doing anything from news, sports, live remote broadcasts, on-air shows, in the morning drive, doing bits, voices, etc., and uh, commercial work. So I had always done radio, did some TV, some print early in my life, but did a lot of radio. I also started my own DJing business as a teenager as well, and DJed at bars, nightclubs, weddings, reunions, private gatherings. So I have a background of being in front of the microphone. When I saw what was happening with podcasting 10 years ago, I thought about doing it. I actually bought some equipment to start podcasting about 10 years ago, nine years ago. And I just didn't feel the market was right at that time. I thought it was way too much of a niche industry, niche channel, niche medium. And anyone that knows me knows that I tend to not half-ass things. If I do something, I'm going to do it right. And I thought, well, this is going to take a tremendous amount of time to do it right. I know a lot of people just turn the mic on and do podcasts of mediocre to low quality. But at 10 years ago, nine years ago, I thought, I'm not going to put the amount of time into that because I won't be willing to make it half-assed. And I didn't feel there was enough groundswell of podcast support. I thought it was a niche medium that someone like me listened to a lot of podcasts 10, 9, 8, 7 years ago. I saw the tide turning about five years ago. A couple little things like uh, Apple's CarPlay getting put into most cars. A couple of big ones like Serial and then Joe Rogan. And you started to see more and more people getting comfortable so I believed in podcasting as a medium or a channel, and I loved radio. I decided at the time that I wanted to do it right, and I actually joined John Dumas's boot camp on how to podcast and bought a lifelong membership in the uh, Podcaster's Paradise program. And what was great about that program was it enabled me to see the differences between radio and podcasting and the similarities. It also gave me a lot of standards for listenership and how to do sponsorship. And it gave me some ideas of how to get started and a lot of tools and resources that I still have our team refer back to. One of the first things that they challenge you to do in Podcasters Paradise is decide, is it going to be a guest show or an individual solo show? And when it started, I thought, let's make it a guest show. I just love hearing stories from other people. And I feel there are so many stories that are untold. 
from leaders that are strong leaders, successful leaders, but they aren't in high-profile public companies or they aren't in business-to-consumer companies, so people don't know their names and what they do. So I started out in the first year, I did have 50 guests and did 100-some episodes. But during that year, I learned that when I would do a quick episode, like when David Bowie passed away, I just did an episode about that. And I started hearing from people that they liked the solo episodes. So in year two, we began to incorporate both. And we were able to have probably another 25 to 30 guests in year two. And in year three, we, we scaled back even more, probably had about 20. And we've averaged about 15 guests the last couple years. So now it's more from originally being a guest-based show, which I still find tremendous value in, to combining with that solo episodes where I can talk about something that's going on in the world tied to storytelling or marketing, communications, productivity, leadership. Those are my passions. Those where I have experience and expertise. The big thing about any podcast is that it's about conversations and stories. As a medium, podcasts enable us to talk more in depth and also more casually than if you're on the radio, if you're on video being interviewed, if you're being interviewed for a news show or any kind of program. The pause that I just made there would be a negative. I've made two pauses that were two seconds and three seconds. That would be a negative on live radio or even serious radio. And if you were on television, these types of things wouldn't happen. So now you can pause to ponder things, which then also pulls people in more because they're wondering what's coming next. And it enables people to do anecdotes and analogies. And that's what storytelling is driven by. The power of storytelling goes across all generations. It's what we've been taught through. It's what we've been motivated from. And storytelling is driven by anecdotes and analogies because we can relate to both. I knew podcasting would continue to grow because it enabled people to tell their stories in an authentic conversational manner so they could tell the anecdotes and analogies. And that's what we love. When we hear someone on a podcast and they go in-depth into an anecdote or an analogy, we tend to listen and really enjoy it. And so I told you I would tell you why I still do the podcast. That's why I enjoy hearing from the guests when they tell their stories. The stories of people like Chris Brodman of Metz Lewis Brodman, Must O'Keefe, or Clyde Horner of Vistage Chair in Vegas, they tell these stories about their lives and they bring heartfelt anecdotes and analogies that anyone can relate to and can maximize. And since they aren't the stars, since they aren't Warren Buffett or Mark Cuban, they're actually more relatable. Because when you hear about Dave Sweet at Mecco Marking and Traceability or Lorian Puzia of Integricare, you hear about people that you know aren't stars, but yet they are successes in their lives and in their professions. And that makes them that much more relatable. And when they tell their stories, their conversations, Leia Lezzarondo of 412 Food Rescue comes to mind. It's just an inspirational story of how she's helped 
first the region, and now they've grown so much that the 412 no longer applies because they're becoming a national and international organization. When you hear their stories, they're so much more relatable. Their anecdotes, their analogies, because they are real people, they aren't the celebrities, they aren't the stars. And when it comes to my solo episodes, the ones like this, I feel a sense of giving back. I've always been into teaching and coaching, even as a young person. People will tell stories about me being a kid and how I was a leader on teams and in the classroom and throughout college and then became a coach at a very young age and a leader of an organization at a very young age. So I feel a sense of giving back through my teaching and coaching when I do a solo one. But there's more to that. The third reason why I still do the podcast is I feel strongly about marketing as a discipline, as a profession. You've heard me talk about how I learned early on the teachings of the father of marketing, Philip Kotler, and then I applied those in the real world and tweaked and enhanced those and built the NoBS marketing system. I'm passionate about real marketing because not enough people do it that work in the profession and not enough people understand it who need it. So there are business leaders in all types of industries who aren't leveraging real marketing. And because of that, they're getting this bad perception of marketing. And that sticks at me and gnaws at me. It makes me frustrated because I know that real marketing changes people, places, companies, the world, because it leverages the power of business storytelling. It uses an art and a science. So the third reason that I still do the podcast is I want to passionately talk about real marketing and get more people in our profession to learn that they need to be doing things differently and to get leaders who are purchasing marketing services to understand how they can purchase real marketing instead of the BS stuff that frustrates them. And the fourth reason that I still do the podcast is the feedback that I hear. People talk to me about specific episodes. They tell me how it's impacted them. They talk about how they enjoyed something, found a humorous take on something that they related to, and how much they've learned as a marketer or as a leader about how to do real marketing, how to leverage the power of business storytelling. Now, what have I learned? I told you I'd tell you that as well. What I've learned is that successful leaders come from different places, work in different industries, company size, and all things different. And that diversity of thought and diversity of style, that diversity of character, that diversity of being is what is so powerful to me about leadership. The people that I've interviewed, some have come from companies that do a million or two in revenue and have three employees. Others have come from companies that do billions in revenue and have tens of thousands of employees. Some come from healthcare, education. Others come from professional services, manufacturing, IT, energy. What the similarities are that they all do certain things. They share some common traits. And I'm going to go through those for you. The leaders we've had on the show, probably over a hundred of them, have been on the show. And what we've learned from them is that first, listening matters. Number one, the listening skills 
of those leaders were apparent, and they listened to both verbals and nonverbals. They listened to people in their organization, up, down, and across their organization. They listened to customers and prospective customers. They listened to people from their centers of influence. Number two, resiliency, or the ability to adapt to what hits them in the face. Resiliency to come back from all the trials and tribulations that we as leaders have. Leadership is hard. Leadership is painful. Leadership involves being able to bounce back. So resiliency is the second thing that I've noticed from these leaders on the show. The third thing is they take responsibility. The cliche, the buck stops here. The leaders that I've talked to, the leaders I've observed in my career, and I'd like to think myself, takes responsibility for things that happen. They don't try to pass the buck. They don't try to blame others. They do try to find out what happened and what caused the problem. And there's a big difference there. I've had people say, well, even let's not assess blame. It's not about assessing blame. It's about finding out what happened so we can learn from it. But when it's talking about it as into the group or we're talking about it externally, it's on me. I own Mass Solutions. I'm the president and founder. Anything that happens is on me. Now, internally, I'm going to find out what caused that mistake and how we can learn from it and get better. But you got to take responsibility for that. you got to take responsibility for the culture because if you haven't defined the culture, it creates on its own. So the third point is that leaders take responsibility. The fourth is that they, they do what others don't want to do. They do what others don't want to do. You know, I have, uh, you've heard me talk about my sons on this show and they're, they're the biggest focal point of my life since Alec was born and all the way through Brev and Carter. And they, they will say to me, you're doing something. Why are you doing that? And you're doing that on a Friday night <laughs> at, at nine o'clock or, or you're, or you're working out at an odd time or you're reading something. Well, because leaders do what others don't want to do. They do things that they aren't comfortable with. They get comfortable with being uncomfortable and they commit to things and do things they don't want to do. And that helps them to get better. And then those things become more comfortable. The fifth thing is understanding of self, self-awareness. I'm amazed at how few people have strong self-awareness. I'm amazed. And the ones that have self-awareness and realize that they've got this baggage that's from their belief and their, their beliefs from an early age and their value system, and who realize that they have a lot of flaws. I watched a YouTube video yesterday that someone showed me about a mom screaming at a bride about to marry her son because they were doing their vows, and the bride had the audacity to say, I love you for your flaws and for your good things. And she yelled and said, my son has no flaws. That woman could have been the mom of many players I've coached over the years. We all have flaws. Those moms that think their kids don't have flaws, they're messing up big time. And so self-awareness is understanding that you have flaws, understanding that you have strengths and understanding that you have an impact on others and seeing that impact in the middle of a meeting and going, oh shit, I just did something that turned this meeting to go down. I got to fix it. That's self-awareness. And then the last one that I noticed when I go on these groupings is not only understanding self, understanding others, being able to see the impact they have on others, being able to see how others have impact on even other people. So you can see the strengths and the weaknesses in your team and try to maximize and accentuate those strengths and put that person in a position to not be drained and to not be doing those weaknesses. 
Now, another thing that I learned, so I've talked about learning about that successful leaders come from diverse places. They share some common traits. Another thing is that leaders are storytellers and successful leaders understand the power of business storytelling. I talk about how we all are good storytellers. Even people that think they're quiet or think they're boring are still good storytellers. The loved ones in their lives know that they can tell a good story. I've not met anyone yet that can't tell a good story in their personal life. However, most people don't apply it to their professional lives. Successful leaders on the show have consistently shown that they understand the power of business storytelling and they leverage it again and again. So we're celebrating five years because I think some statistics shows that some really high percentage of podcasts, something like 73% of podcasts or something, don't make it to episode 10 and, and 85% don't make it to episode 50 or whatever. And here we are in our fifth year and around 400 episodes because we have loyal followers and we have loyal listeners and we have clients who get value from when they receive messages related to the podcast. We have people that we mentor. We have college students that follow it. And so we're excited about this fifth anniversary. And so we've gone through why we started it, why we still do it, what I've learned. Now I'm going to go through what's next. What anyone out there should have seen is in the last five years, video is becoming much stronger to be able to be done quickly by everyone. Now, 10, 15 years ago with YouTube and everything, video exploded. But I'm saying in the last three to five years, business leaders are getting more and more comfortable with leveraging video. So Mass Solutions, we've begun to use more and more video with the podcast. We also want to take the podcast to another level where we're going to do a lot more uh, short segments, and we're going to do more feature stuff. We're going to bring back the sights and sounds of marketing, which was a very popular segment in my blog called Light Reading for many years. The sights and sounds of marketing is when we take some time in, in marketing, maybe a year, and, and talk about the song of that year and talk about the TV show of that year, the movie of that year, the catchphrase of that year, and just talk about how all that applies to business storytelling, marketing, and so forth. So the sights and sounds of marketing will come back. We want to continue to have strong guests. We want to incorporate more and more of our team. You've noticed Marcel has been on the show uh, a number of times. Maria has been on the show. Mike Gaddy has been involved in the show. We're trying to get Benita in front of the microphone. So we're going to continue to incorporate the Mass Solutions team members. You know my family has been a part of the show. Carter leads with most appearances, but Brev's catching up and Alex catching up. And um, we also have my brother has been involved. And then, you know, basketball is a part of it. I'm wearing uh, a shirt for a friend of mine today. A shout out to Dave Hamilton, uh, a basketball guy. And I have so many basketball connections. And he's a Compton Magic guy. He played for the University of Auburn. And uh, he's always been someone that we've talked about basketball. And he saw some unique abilities in Carter years ago and, and, and started working with Carter. And so shout out to Dave Hamilton. So you'll see basketball and sports and pop culture continue to be a part of the show. So this is the official fifth anniversary of the No BS Marketing Show, August 6, 2015. I've loved it. It's been exciting. We've been able to consistently every single week for over 250 weeks have a show. And our goal is to continue to do that and to continue to bring value to our loyal No BSers. So thanks for listening to the show. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? and build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.